Dark Shadows Literary Licensed Podcast episodes. Ben Stokes here, exploring all things Collinsport, Maine, and following the likes of the Collins family, and the friends and foes, with your co-hosts, Tom Diamond, Jesse Fultz, Mickey Ray, and Keith Chalgo, Collins family, story about blood relations, literally. Welcome to the Literary License Podcast. Today we are doing our retrospective of Dark Shadows, and that will be from April 1969 to May 1969, covering episodes 722 to 765. And today it's just little old me, Vicki, and I have Tom. Diamond. Diamond. I'm Diamond. Big old me. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Big old me. Well, it's a I'm good not, thing I, just, I remember I don't, my that, name. There's so many people here. I can't believe I just had a space moment. Yes, I've got the, too many things going on in my head today. Keith Chowgo and uh, the Jesse other guy. Jesse have abandoned us. They, they ran in terror when they knew I was coming on today. No. And uh, no, no, they, uh, unfortunately, uh, Keith is uh, doing triple duty time. Yeah, he has and, been. In uh, in London, and uh, you know, and uh, of course, you got the Delta two variant there, and all kinds of marvelous things. You got all and, kinds uh, of stuff going on. And Jesse is uh, a very beautiful student, studying yep. like anything uh, for exams, and I hope he gets A's on all of them for missing this one. Yeah. But uh, but so we are both here. And uh, what have you been up to now that we got you oh, on a roll? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, um, naturally, the Thanksgiving holiday was very well spent. Uh, I went we went to friends and uh, and, and broke uh, and I had uh, stuffing for the first time in the year and got stuffed in the pre- in the process. And uh, other, you know, and I have been watching Manifest, which I recommend to everybody. It's on Netflix. I've heard a lot of good things about it. I have not started it yet. <sighs> It is three seasons. It started, I think, on ABC, and they canceled it, and Netflix picked it up, and there's going to be a fourth season, everybody. And Manifest uh, involves, for those people who aren't aware, uh, a plane flight that went through a time warp and landed uh, in um, New York York, uh, five and a half years after it took off. And uh, That'd be pretty trippy. Yeah, and it's essentially well everything that happens to the uh, you that know, was the, on one of the big networks. I think you're correct mm-hmm. in that because I think they did mm-hmm. cancel it. Yeah, and 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 there's a big fandom as a result. And Netflix is picking it up for a fourth season sometime in 2022. Uh, I am through the second episode of the second season now, and I must say it's gripping. It starts out maybe a little slow, but right. it is very gripping, and it has the same guy. And I'm trying to. I, I'm blanking out in his name, but the same actor who was Prince Charming in Once Upon a Time. And so, oh, okay, yeah, I can't, I can't him, think of his name. 
Me neither. So if you remember him, but he's pretty good and uh, he shows off his stuff. And uh, it's a combination of the time travel element, which, by the way, is a Twilight Zone ripoff of an old episode called The Disappearance of Flight 401. If you guys remember that Twilight Zone episode where they were in a plane and they wound up in the prehistoric era going through a time warp. Oh, yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah. I remember that one. And then they tried to get back. To New York in 1960, and they wound up getting back to the New York World's Fair in 1939 instead. They didn't come back far enough. So the episode left them looking somewhere for uh, for that uh, elusive destination. So it has that time travel element, and it also has um, uh, police stuff. Uh, because there's police uh, family involved. It has a medical component because one of the passengers was a uh, research geneticist biologist, and she's trying to figure out why all these people uh, survived uh, and didn't age and comes up with a genetic marker as a, as a result. So there's that medical component in it. So it very successfully combines a number of these otherwise disparate uh, elements. And it turns out that Robert Zemeckis was the executive producer and he did Back to the Future. So I think it's a really good thing to watch. Also, Lost in Space, the final season is going to be coming on December 1st. Finally. Final season of Lost in Space. I love so we, that show. Oh, me too. Me too. It's, I'm only sorry that's going to be the last season. So we can look forward to that. And finally, I just heard that Outlander is the the sixth season will be back. Finally. I believe Sunday, March sixth at nine. Yes, I'm going to have to get stars again. I only get stars just for that, I and then I cancel it. it when it's done. Kept <laughs> it, never watch it. And now you know. Now I, like, I never watch it. Stuff. I watch it. I watch everything on my smart TV. It's got all these cool apps like Tubi. I love Tubi. It's got everything on it. Oh, you're smart. Well, I tell you, I watched the first four seasons on Netflix, but they did not have the fifth season. So I switched the stars for that one. Now the sixth season, of course, is coming out and there is going to be a seventh season. So I think that's something that everyone can watch. Otherwise, uh, getting back to my professor stuff with the school, uh, getting back to my PhD stuff, and we'll see how long that is, and uh, looking for a full-time job with the feds, and of course, coping with Omicron. And let us all pray that Omicron does not rear its nasty head uh, into uh, wherever wherever it's going. So I've talked enough. How about you, Vicki? What's going on with you? Oh, I've had Thanksgiving with the family. We didn't really do a whole lot this week. It's just one of those weeks where everybody's off, so I didn't really get a whole lot done like I want to. Asher's in soccer and stuff. He's taking a break from BMX for a while, try something different for a change. And... Um, all I could say is Yellowstone, Yellowstone, Yellowstone. I love watching Yellowstone. And um, mm-hmm. on top of that, I have d- uh, discovered this cool little gizmo for my TV in the back room. I guess it's like a fire stick, but it's a Google thing. Mm-hmm. And I can caster my phone to that TV that would not cast before. So I'm always channel surfing. I can't, I always encourage people to send me ideas for horror movies because there's a couple other people that come on every so often and we're trying to outgross each other at this point that would be matthew (laughs) but uh, Mm um other than that i've just been reading and hanging out with the family it's really been really quiet so far this year it's been a little different though i mean we we never really stop visiting people because we're just going to continue to live our lives here in texas to the best of our ability 
Well, you have to, so, and everybody has to, and I hope everybody Yeah, it's this, this fear-mongering. Is. It's got to stop, so... Getting back, I forgot to mention about Outlander. Diana Garbolden's newest book has just come out. Oh, I've got to buy it too. The ninth book. I've Uh, read every single one of her books. I knew about her 25, 30 years ago when I was buying her books back then. I I knew someday they were going to make a series on her, her, her stories, and they are excellent stories. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, I don't I haven't gotten a chance to read her books, but certainly I'm a big fan of Outlander. They're excellent and books. They are I, thick as all get out, but they are excellent books. I, I think that's going to be around for a while. So, uh, Vicki, I guess you're going to say something about the bloopers. Uh, aren't, uh, oh, one more thing before I, I I'm sorry, before I progress. December 19th, everybody. So the Dark Shadows cast is getting together on December 19th uh, on, uh, I guess, uh, I guess it's either YouTube or Facebook. I think it's YouTube. I think it's YouTube. It's YouTube. And Facebook. Oh, it's and Facebook as I well. I think so. Don't get me to lying, though. Oh, thank you. And they're going to be uh, doing a rendition of the Dickens Christmas Carol. And so you're going to have uh, a number of Catherine Lee Scott, of course, Jerry Lacey, Marie Wallace, um, Selby, Selby um, Mitch Ryan, Vicky's heartthrob is going to be is going to be on there, and David Hennessy will once again uh, will once again come back because the first right. time he did that for Halloween, and as a first, Alexandra Mulkey for the first. I know. Time. I was so happy to see her name on that list. I was thrilled. That's only the second time. This is the first time she's come she, on for she, fan related. Events. Yeah. Although technically a number of years ago, she attended a uh, museum of broadcasting events celebrating dark shadows uh, back in around 2000 uh, for the fans that are willing to start throwing darts at me. I remember that. And <laughs> she was on there as well as uh, Dan Curtis and, uh, and a number of greats. Uh, but she will be coming on for this, and it's going to be 7 p.m. Eastern Central Time. And you can all figure out the rest of the times uh, for your particular time zone. So watch out for that. The uh, you, the YouTube or whatever uh, URL address will be coming out uh, by the people organizing that. And uh, thanks to Catherine Lee Scott and, uh, and her group uh, for, uh, for organizing that. That should be a great treat. Okay, we're going to cut over to our bloopers and regular info by our very own Tom Diamond. Take it away. Hello, everybody. Tom Diamond here. And we are at episodes 724 to 765 of the Dark Shadows Retrospective. And we are here to talk about the stars in this block, new ones, as well as some old ones, and then the bloopers. So let's get right to work. Okay, the, in terms of the stars, the most important one in this block is the return of Diana Malay as Laura Stockbridge Collins. And you may remember her, you will remember her from the first year of the show where we talked about her very frequently. She was really one of the first, if not the first, supernatural character to appear on the show back then. And she returns here as the wife of Edward Collins, and therefore the mother of Jameson and Nora Collins, 
And if you think of it, there's a lot of incest going on because Jameson is the father of Liz and Roger, so therefore Laura is their grandmother. And then she goes ahead, marries Roger, who's her grandson, and has David with him. So David is both her son and her great-grandson. Isn't that interesting? And she is in episodes 730, uh, most of the time, to episodes 760. And in episode 760, she meets her final demise in flames. It's the usual plot again this time. She's trying to get Janus and Nora to come into the flames and, and join her. This time, Egypt is brought into the picture in this block. Uh, of course, the plot was that Laura ran away with uh, Quentin, uh, and Edward was extremely upset over that, and they went to Egypt. And it isn't explained, but somehow Laura died in a, f- in a fire uh, in, some, in some altar in Alexandria, and uh, Quentin, knew all, Quentin knew all about that. Uh, in any event, uh, Diana Malay's final appearance is in episode 760. Uh, you see a number of actors returning in different roles, and it's kind of funny because the front door of Collinwood is a revolving door. Every, every other episode, a new character walks in. And 731 marks the return of Don Briscoe, and this time it's Tim Shaw, who is uh, Rachel's fellow school teacher and uh, someone that she plotted with and they tried escaping together before they were caught by Reverend Trask. 733 marks the return of Clarice Blackburn as Minerva Trask, Gregory Trask's wife and the mother of charity, who was played by Nancy Barrett. Uh, we note that in episode 748, Quentin kills Jenny, and that is the next to the last episode for Marie Wallace as Jenny Collins. She will come back, uh, but not as Jenny. And 749 is the last episode as Marie Wallace as Jenny comes back in a dream. Uh, Gail Strickland, episode 751 gives a uh, one-shot appearance as Dorcas Trilling, who is uh, one of Gregory Trask's employees and someone, of course, whom he's very amorously involved with. And uh, Gail Strickland is the first victim of Quentin and the Werewolf. Uh, Gail Strickland will return one more time, and uh, we will be, but not in this block, and we'll be talking about that later. Gail Strickland went on to a lot of roles in both TV and uh, movies. By the way, her career really took off Dark Shadows was one of her first roles. Uh, she was in Status Quo Vadis, Barnaby Jones, um, Police Story, uh, President's Mistress, uh, Drowning Pool, Murder, She Wrote. Uh, she had a great role in Star Trek Deep Space Nine as a uh, Klingon. You may remember her from that. G-J-A-G, American President, Seinfeld, Highway to Heaven. Okay, MASH, Family Ties, How to Make an American Quilt, whatever that is. That was one of the movies she was in. And uh, many, many more uh, roles. She's still with us. 74 years old, I understand. And, uh, and doing well. So that is one more 
tribute to Dark Shadows in terms of starting an actor's career. Finally, Edward Marshall uh, makes a one-shot appearance as young Ezra Braithwaite in episode 764. Edward Marshall had been selected by Catherine Lee Scott, who knew her from uh, acting school, and he had done a one-shot role as Harry Johnson in the previous block when they got tired of Craig Slocum doing it. And so here he comes back saying two lines to Jonathan as young Ezra Braithwaite. You will remember Abe Vigoda played old Ezra Braithwaite. So... Those are the major. Those are the major changes. You know, everybody else is on here, uh, the regular cast in uh, in some roles or other. And uh, now let's get to the bloopers. So, if you didn't see it already, uh, in episode seven twenty four, uh, David Selby just touches uh, Catherine Lee Scott. And uh, kind of, kind of goes to choke her, but he really just touches her neck, and then she falls into his arms immediately as Quentin the zombie walks off with her. It's really, it, 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 it's really kind of staged. I'm going to go back and forth. Obviously, there are a number of bloopers here, and I'm going to leave most of the mic booms. Uh, and the shadows and so forth of the mic on the different parts of the set uh, to you guys. Although there was one scene, as I recall, uh, and I think it was in Laura's room, and there was a there was a full length mirror, and you actually and in the mirror uh, right above the uh, actor or actress, you actually saw the the boom that the mic was attached to and the mic and the uh, and the crew person was moving the mic backwards and so you could see the horizontal metal boom move backwards and then you saw the mic and it really looked like it had spider webs on it, it looks like it hadn't been cleaned for a long time so it was uh, that was that was really interesting um, you now and also in 724 I could have sworn that the dry ice from the cemetery set uh, had wafted over to the old house set, and uh, you could you could kind of see the uh, you could kind of see smoke in the in the old house. But once again, I think uh, that that was dry ice, and it also moves to other parts of the set. So uh, that's that's something to look for. Now, this is a good one uh, in the same episode uh, when Quentin, uh, as a zombie, knocks out Xandor. Xandor falls uh, right beside a grave stone. And what do you see that grave uh, as? And it is none other than Laura Murdoch Radcliffe's gravestone, which is a real biggie. For some reason, they had that there perhaps from... Uh, maybe from the first year, uh, I can't. I can't understand why. Because later on, you definitely see uh, Barnabas uh, going into the old crypt uh, to find Laura's uh, grave, which is in a mausoleum kind of setup. And uh, that was the that we were actually introduced to that in the first year. The uh, crypt keeper, uh, if you can remember him, lived there. Uh, once again, a uh, once again, a great portrayal by Daniel Keyes. 
but anyway, you can you can actually see uh, a grave for a gravestone for Laura Murdoch, Murdoch Radcliffe in the cemetery. So episode seven twenty five. You've got an obvious line flub. Uh, Jonathan had apparently forgotten his line, and Joan Bennett, as Judith prompted him, all I can think about is what is happening behind these doors. And then Jonathan repeats the line, So, and then they move on. Uh, so you can see where that's coming from. I do want to make the point that, you know, with the return of Laura, everybody is so happy, I suppose, to see Laura again, and that includes none other than the Collinsport fly. We have not seen the Collinsport fly for a long, long time, but uh, the, uh, he makes sure to land on Laura's head uh, while she's uh, bending over maybe some kind of faint or something like that. Uh, trooper that Diana Malay was, she didn't do a, she didn't, she didn't move a wink. The fly landed on her head for a while and then flew away. I'm still trying to figure out, by the way, in 725, why Nora was ill, and that was kind of mentioned there, and uh, it wasn't really uh, followed up uh, in, in the plot. In episode 726, right in front of the drawing room, uh, you can... And the, you can see the clock saying at 10 o'clock and uh, you can see the bottom of his head running into position uh, as he uh, prepares for a conversation with another character and then the com- and then the camera focuses on the two of them but you can definitely see a little portion of his head as he runs over from back as he runs on from backstage into position also look for characters uh, banging into the candelabrum uh, accidentally uh, beside the front door as they are hurriedly rushing out the front door and I think Selby does that at one time and I think that Roger Davis does that as Dirk Wilkins at another closed captioning bloopers abound in this uh, block and uh, I may just touch upon a few of them in episode 729 um, Beth screams it's Nora and the closed captioning says it's Laura. The money, by the way, uh, which is uh, shown as brown. I don't know which Milton Bradley game that came out of, uh, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, I always thought money uh, in the U.S. was green, but of course I could be wrong. Quint, uh, Selby in that episode has a, has a good line. I think he's talking about the family. He says uh, that, that they're all like common colds, it's a nuisance, but it always goes away. See if you can pick that one up. In episode 730, you do see David Hennessy looking at the teleprompter a couple of times. And uh, at one point, there may have been a figure moving behind Jameson. Uh, look out for that one. Now, in episode 731, I will mention that there's a very prominent blooper of a mic shadow on the pink sofa in the drawing room. It runs across the sofa. And this time, you see one of the very few bloopers about uh, from Diana Malay, who looks at the teleprompter while she's speaking, and you can definitely see that. You have some Fritz speak in episode 732. <clears throat> 
the ca- he says the character talks about goodness and practices only badness. Looks also like uh, Laura has a wedding ring. Now, that could have been Edward's uh, wedding ring, but more likely it's actually Diana Malay's wedding ring. She had given birth to her child at that point, who was around two years old, when she came back to Dark Shadows for this stint. Now, Joan Bennett will, a couple of times in this blooper, forget that she's talking about Jameson and refer to him as David. Uh, in episode 733, uh, she is talking to, to Selby and she says, Quentin, I can't see you as guardian of David's, uh, Edward's honor. So that's, that's even worse. Episode 734, uh, you have a face running by uh, the camera as we have a close-up of Rachel and you see a flitting face just walk by. And you also see Klieg lights in the windows on the upper left-hand corner of the mausoleum. In uh, episode 735, after a ceremony, uh, the spell, they're doing a ceremony, and when the spell is broken, uh, not all the candles blew out when that happened. And that, of course, happened uh, very frequently on the show. I guess they had a fan from off stage blowing out the candles, and it didn't always uh, make it. Remember to see that Ralston Purina lamp. That's a traveling lamp, just like you have the traveling Afghan. And this time we see that lamp on Tresk's in Trask's schoolroom, and uh, you've seen the Rolson Purina lamp at various uh, places in Collinwood ever since the beginning of the show. Two more closed captioning bloopers in episode 736. Uh, Rachel Drummond, Ms. Drummond, is referred to as Miss Thurman in the closed captioning blooper, and uh, Quentin says the urn isn't there, and the closed captioning blooper says the attorney isn't there. Don Briscoe has a very rare blooper in 736, part of the dialogue. Uh, Instead of saying, if you're not feeling ill, too ill, I'd like to speak to you, instead he's saying, uh, if you're not feeling too well, I'd like to speak to you. And in this episode, 736, just about as good as any other. Uh, remember, they kept a 1940s-style radio as a uh, piece of uh, furniture uh, right in the bottom of the staircase on the right-hand side in the foyer. And you can actually see the dials and the, uh, and the little and the, uh, the, the little dial screen, I should say, on the radio where you have the different stations. And remember, this is 1897, but you also saw that in 1795, so nothing new for Dark Shadows. In episode 738, you can see the microphone bobbing up and down behind David Selby's head as he speaks to Jameson. This is also the episode where Roger Davis's Dirk uh, bunks into the uh, candelabrum uh, right near the door that we spoke about uh, before. Uh, it was episode 738. One of the most basic continuity bloopers in the block, and it's a big one, in 739 after Barnabas meets Laura. And Barnabas talks about the fact that he 
knew Laura when he was 10 years old, and Laura had come home as Jeremiah's first wife in 1785. In the original 1795 block, uh, that was not true. Jeremiah had never married, and uh, he and Barnabas were close in age to each other, maybe by a couple of years, uh, even though Jeremiah was Barnabas's uncle. Uh, one would think that Jeremiah is at least 10 years older than Barnabas uh, in this version of events. Pretty nice line by Laura Parker as Angelique in episode 739. Uh, she talks about the why don't you, why don't you uh, see the girls down at the docks with no names, no hopes, and especially no fathers. And in 739, as Jerry Lacey's Trask is running out the door, he hits it and. Uh, uh, and then he uh, he moves it around it to leave. Jonathan uh, goofs up in uh, episode 741. He is reading uh, Laura's tombstone in the mausoleum, which clearly says that the date of death was uh, 1885. And uh, Jonathan says it's 1875. In episode 742, there's apparently a clinch scene between uh, Selby and uh, Terry Crawford as Beth, and it, the camera clicks on them too soon as they're preparing for the scene, and they're waiting for it to start. And then you see, then, uh, then you see another scene very briefly, and it clicks back on them, and they continue kissing. I think it's really interesting because in 742, this is the episode, this is the episode where Barnabas does this rare uh, ceremony from the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and uh, Laura appears in 17th in 18th century garb uh, as she as he originally knew her. That's the only time, and with an 18th century hairdo, that's the only time that you actually see that happening. That and at the beginning of the next episode, 743, when there's a reprise of the last scene. And in episode 743, uh, when uh, Laura faints uh, and disappears, uh, there's, a, uh, there's obviously a blue screen effect. And uh, when she faints onto the floor, uh, you see her uh, bobbling up and down. Uh, bobbing up and down on the floor like a bouncing ball for a second. Quentin's line in episode 744, how did Jenny get out of the locked room through prayer and fasting, is priceless. There is a nice blue screen effect from episode 745, uh, where Quentin is lurking behind the tree with a picture of the old house in the background. Another great line by Quentin, episode 747, talking to... Uh, to uh, Judith and Edward, if I were ever a prisoner, I'd want you both as jailers. Episode 749, closed captioning blooper. Instead of Cousin Barnabas, it's Cousin Varanus. What, of course, is very interesting, uh, as you see Quentin turning into the werewolf now, and I think it's in episode 752, uh, the 
the werewolf apparently is very, very well-dressed, uh, probably the best-dressed werewolf I've ever seen with a, um, with a vest, a suit vest, and uh, a nice tie, and a stick pin, and a nice shirt. Sometimes a werewolf is wearing a nice suit, and uh, this werewolf uh, is the only one I've ever seen who actually opens up a door to get out of it and close it rather than break through the door. It's nice to know this werewolf has manners. And uh, David Selby, of course, is like six foot three, and I mentioned this in the podcast. David Selby, of course, is like six foot two, six foot three. Uh, Alex Stevens must be around five seven or five eight. So apparently, when he turn when Quentin turns into a werewolf, he shrinks. Uh, in uh, seven fifty three, you have a blooper. Uh, where uh, the doorknob turns, which is a signal for charity to open it. But uh, Jameson had escaped. Uh, so who is uh, who's turning the door handle? Obviously a stagehand to remind her to open the door and find nobody there. Also in this episode, as Jameson runs into Collinwood, the lights weren't on and all you see is black until uh, he opens the door and then all of a sudden the lights go on. We see Ben Stokes' grave in a couple of episodes as uh, Laura has Dirk open the grave in order to get Ben Stokes' diary. And the date of death for Ben is 1816, which, uh, again, uh, maybe at that point it was, uh, but later on we're going to come upon Ben, uh, ben Stokes at a, later, uh, at a later time, 1840 to be exact, and we won't tell the fans... Uh, uh, who haven't watched Dark Shadows about that, but suffice it to say, 1816 is definitely a continuity blooper. Uh, in episode 756, of course, at the end of the episode, Laura had uh, found uh, Barnabas's coffin and she wanted to stake him. And, of course, at the end of that episode, she opens the coffin and, Bar- and Barnabas is there and she raises the stake. Well, Jonathan wasn't in 757, but they do a little reprise of that episode. Uh, nobody's in the coffin. And uh, Laura opens the coffin and, uh, of course, the camera's looking from another angle, so you can't, you're not supposed to see that there's nobody there. But there is a little space as she opens the coffin and where Jonathan's shoe should have been, you don't see anything. So you know that nobody was in that coffin when she went to stake him. And also look for Klieg lights above uh, the old house uh, in this in this episode. That being 756. Joan Bennett once again in episode 758 has it to do with David Jameson. Why why he wasn't there? So once again she's mixing up David and Jameson. Great scene, by the way, in episode 762, in one of the few uh, episodes in this block that you see, Clarice Blackburn as Minerva having it out with Gregory uh, because she knows he's been philandering on her, and uh, she confronts him in the schoolroom. Great scene between the two of them. And episode 763 is the one where you can see the Mike Boo in the mirror as it draws back and looks a little, looks very dusty. So, uh, once again, look for that blooper in episode 763. And finally, not so much of a blooper in episode uh, 764, but you do have the plot of uh, Evan Hanley uh, hypnotizing uh, Tim Shaw's Don Briscoe so that when uh, Tim Shaw sees the Queen of Spades card, he pours... 
uh, nightshade uh, into a glass of wine in order to poison somebody, and uh, we're going to see who that is next block. Uh, but uh, at one point, the werewolf is around. Tim Shaw runs into Collinwood looking, and uh, Joan Bennett as Judith is playing solitaire, and Joan raises up the Queen of Spades, and good acting by Don Briscoe. He looks like he's going to kill her. Uh, and at that point, either the phone rings or somebody runs through the door. And uh, and Don, as Tim, is distracted and the spell is broken. That's not a blooper. It was well acted. And we might as well end with that. Uh, and uh, wish uh, the fans, hopefully, a happy belated Thanksgiving. And uh, now, let's get back to the show. Okay, welcome back to the Literary License Podcast. We are now going to discuss scene one, and that is where Rachel wakes up from a nightmare to find Quentin as a zombie rocking by her bed. After a ritual, Quentin returns to his coffin, but he later rises and abducts Rachel. Barnabas, Magda, and Xandor perform a ceremony to make Quentin's spirit return to his body. Gregory Trask tells Judith that Jameson is possessed by Quentin's spirit. Jameson and Quentin return to normal, but Jameson goes missing. Now, what do you think about that? Well, I, well, I have to tell you, first of all, uh, we have a number of returns. To, I noticed. Uh, dark, yeah, uh, and they, they were getting the actors in. In fact, it's really funny because the, the, the Collinwood front door was revolving every few days. I know. <laughs> with this new character oh how are you oh you haven't been back in a century i nice know dirk what was dirk before he was dirk he was somebody else and he just well uh, not, not that well that was ned stewart in uh yeah ned. So roger davis ned. of course came back as dirk but that was i think in the last one but uh certainly uh jerry lacy as gregory Tress comes back oh my god um, i mean he's the same asshole he was before <laughs> Even, even what, worse, even worse. He's worse. I mean, is he a little lecherous or is that my imagination? He's very lecherous. And uh, in fact, uh, if you hear later in the block, when um, Clarice Blackburn as uh, Minerva uh, Trask, and she's a hint, comes oh, that's back, right. yeah. she, starts, she starts talking to uh, Judith about, uh, well, I know that my husband has been taking uh, women to the theater. And oh yeah, <laughs> yes she did. <laughs> then yeah. she has a big fight with him. Then she has a big fight with him about it. And you go, Minerva, I am praying for their souls, and I am helping them compassionately. Yeah. You know, and you and you hear and you hear Jerry Lacey coming up with his, uh, you know, coming up with his uh, doing his doing his uh, Trask again. And of course, this is the great great grandson of uh, the original Reverend Trask, as he tells Barnabas. And uh, let me just take a quick look. Yes. So, you know, so that, so that, be, so that being said, uh, this to me is really a setup for all the better things that go on right. in the later scenes, which we're going to talk about. But of course, uh, Quentin is a zombie here. And uh, then Barnabas gets involved with Richard. Well, wait, he gets killed. Okay. He's killed by uh, Jenny. Jenny Nice. Jenny Jenny kills him. And then Mm -hmm. Angelique works her magic, but he's a zombie. Right. And she's doing that deliberately because she wants to control Barnabas. 
And so she said, you know, so, and Barnabas says, well, just, just turn him back to life. She goes, I will, but you've got to marry me. And yeah. Barnabas says, Boy, it's oh, the same old song and dance. Oh, you God, know, it's like, know. she's so beautiful. She doesn't need him. She could find anybody out there, but she wants him. And then you got Jameson. And Judith thinks that uh, Jameson is possessed by Quentin spirit. Uh, at that point, the spirit said, yeah, the, in other words, Quentin's, Quentin's spirit went into Jameson. So that there could be a repository yeah. for, because, because I'm wondering figured, if that, that does connect up eventually though. It connects eventually. And, and, and David Hennessy does a passable job with that, but he does a much better job. I think later on because Hennessy's because uh, they, uh, Jameson will be possessed by another spirit, which mm-hmm. we're going to talk about in another block. And he does that. And he does that a lot better. Uh, I think, but, but here, I think he's just getting used to the role and uh, he's just saying, hello. They all look like they're having fun with it. You know, brother, whoever, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, But the, but the bottom line is that this to me is really a prelude to what is, to what, to what is going to happen. So finally Barnabas uh, thinks of ceremonies that he knew in Martinique and so Mm -hmm. forth and Magda and Sandor get, get involved. And then those two just kill me, Magda and Sandor. I can't, I'm just, I don't do gypsies really dressed like that. Well, probably in Orbax they do, which is probably where they got the clothes at the bargain I just, basement I just, or something. I just, I just you love, know, uh, you know, Julia Magna, though. Sandor, my fat Sandor. I know. I just love how she, she cracks me up. She's such a, she's a brilliant actress. I, I, I've always this, thought so. This to me was Grayson Hall's uh, finest role. I think as much as everybody remembers her for Julia uh, because of the love for Barnabas and everything, that was really the attachment. But here she stands out on her own. Yeah. Because Magda hates Barnabas. But of course, Barnabas is there to run the show, which That's takes right. us to scene two. Rachel, okay. Rachel tells Barnabas that she attended Trask school. Barnabas bites Trask daughter Charity. He's biting a lot of people in these blocks. He bites Minerva, Charity at least four times. Oh, my God. I know. Minerva Trask arrives to take Rachel and the children back to Worthington Hall. At school, Trask reprimands Jameson by locking him in a closet and threatens more severe punishment. Trask refuses to return Jameson and Nora to Laura. That night, the school catches fire. Well, here we go with that Phoenix stuff again. Well, that's very, very important. And that, I think, is probably one of the best, uh, uh, one of the best. Um, Which takes twists. me back to one of the very first sets of episodes where that's they're right. going into, that's you know, right. to find where Laura Stockbridge Collins was buried. And she's not in there even then in the beginning of the, the, the first series. A lot of people don't watch those. They only start at like 200 an A and keep going. <laughs> That's absolutely right. And I think the, um, I think the big, I think one of the big things about this block is the return of Laura. And I know that once Keith comes on next time, he'll have plenty yeah. of things to say about her because he, uh, he was, she was a very favorite. <laughs> yeah. She was a very favorite character of his, Diana uh, She's I, but beautiful, I think, though. Like, yeah. But I, and of course, you know, Dan Curtis always liked Diana Malay. 
who played Laura, and he was begging her to come, and he finally found a way to get her back. And this time, and this is essentially the whole thing all over again, where she wants the kids this time to take her into the fire, and it's really a replay of the Phoenix thing. But the difference here is that Egypt is brought into the mix. Yeah, Alexandria. And yeah. Quentin is brought into the mix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, and Quentin and Laura ran off together uh, to Edward's disgust. Uh, and uh, well, you the- know, they were kind of married. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a slight detail. I, I I agree. And Quentin, of course, was married a to Jenny. Detail. Quentin was married to Jenny, so remember that one. So that was yeah. Does good- Quentin love anybody? I'm just beginning to wonder if he's just. You know, it's a, it's a good question. And as actually uh, answered, I think that Beth has a conversation in Quint- with Quentin yeah, she did. during this box. She did. And she said, you don't love anybody but yourself. And you don't care about what happens to you. He was he's such a great actor in this, though. Selby. Yeah. Selby's wonderful. Now, Selby, I really think, comes to the fore here, especially when he does those uh especially when he does that egyptian ceremony with angelique and you know uh, it really you know the thing is that they i've got the egyptian book of the dead because i used to be an archaeologist and stuff way back in the day and they are actually reading rituals out of these books and i'm sitting there's like going y'all man even though you're acting man you guys are messing with shit (laughs) and i just wonder (laughs) you know i just gotta wonder well i i love it brave I mean, they're evoking Satan and everything else. Like, oh, it's Ra and Seth essentially. And when and when Selby does it, it's amazing. He just lifts his eyes up and like like he like you keep he's really praying. He looks like he's really enjoying himself when he says, "I call upon Ra, you know, servant of the sun," and all this. And and he he really he really gives a nice hammy. But no, no, he looks like he's a devoted Mooney. If you remember Reverend Moon from yeah. all those years ago, you know, with all those things. And he really and, and he really goes into it. And then Lara Parker kind of mimics him a little bit and stuff like that. But it's very easy that he has stolen the show because she's the yeah. one that's usually doing the incantations. And uh, well, he liked to practice the, the dark arts as well. Yes, he did. So. He was a, the dark arts. And let's not forget Humbert Allen Estrado, who gives a very more than passable performance as Evan Hanley here. And they have a nice little dark arts ceremony uh, with Quentin and uh, calling for the devil. And who appears but Gregory Trask himself? I know. I almost died. I just go, man, maybe for a second, because I don't remember these. I was still too young. I thought that Trask, well, maybe Trask is Satan because he certainly favors him in all of his demeanor. So, yeah. Because because they, I think that they really wanted the fans to get that impression that when the devil was it called was a, for, it worked. That it scene worked. really worked. It, it it absolutely worked, and you really was wondering what was going to happen. And I'll tell you something. And part of that was due to Humbert Allen Estrado's acting. He was still he still got a little bit of the Nicholas Blair in him when he does those incantations right. and stuff like that. And, and, and he trills. Well, for a second, I thought that he was Nicholas Blair and that's how he got started because in the previous episodes, 
he said he'd been he'd been only doing it for like a hundred years. So I was wondering if that was going to fit in somehow, because I thought he was like an ancient entity, but he's not. No, they apparently they wanted to establish him as a separate character, and the reason you'll and the reason is going to be later on. There's going to be quite a surprise regarding another one of Humper Dow and the Stratos portrayals, and you're going to see that later. And I'm not going to say what it is, right? Because we want all the fans to listen, even though Keith is not here, he'll be back. And all his yes, fans will, will, will all his fans will prostrate themselves upon his return. <laughs> then you got <laughs> Trask locking up Jameson in the closet. And yeah, yeah that was is, like is that a, just took me right back to Catholic school. Took me back to what I'd like to do with some of the students. Uh, no, you that, can't that, anymore. You've got to. They have feelings. You got to worry about those feelings. Everybody he, gets a trophy. He was you can't very, do that very. Anymore. He was very, very. Honest. He was a sadist. Uh, to the to the umph degree, yeah. going after going after Rachel, uh, going. I after, think he's got the hots for Rachel, and I think got, he hates her because he's sexually attracted to her. And when she's not returning the feelings, but it's not the only oh, one. Those sideburns, come on. Got the not the only one. He's got, yeah. Well, those sideburns. Look like I don't even. Can men them. really actually grow that shit? Like they that? did. I if I could do it myself, I would. But I don't think. I just think only certain people could grow them. A I mean, because I mean, you do see the old timey pictures where it comes down around the jawline, right. and those are some. That's some. That's like a weird well, what, it's like a beard starting at your temple or something. well what about the handlebar mustaches that yeah. go all the way around i mean they're incredible uh some of those things that they were able to use a lot of mustache wax in those i know days. you can uh, almost see where they take they almost david selby's like little line you can almost you could see it close. yes 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 you have to see it very closely. and i think it's kind of funny he's kind of shirtless off and on in these blocks but i the thing that it cracks me up about that is like men are all so big and busted buff well, now that, with the muscles and and guys were really you know kind of skinny back then they didn't have the musculature <laughs> that you know that, that you know the the gym body you know that's that true. i just that's noticed true. that and all the gals seem to love it so that's true be- well david selby was basically the heartthrob even when they brought um don briscoe later on in this block comes back as tim shaw one of the teachers at the uh, Reverend Trask School, who grew up with Rachel Drummond, and they both tried yeah. to escape together. And so they have that little thing, and Tim is engaged to charity, poor guy. And uh, oh, I know, I, I must have missed that because he seems to be in love with Rachel and not charity. He, but I'm he, really feeling sorry for charity, and we'll get to that. But that, that's, well, that, little- that's interesting because, yeah, ch- you know, charity is a victim of a uh, circumstance. Yeah. As, uh, Carol, as Curly would have said in the Three Stooges. Mm. Uh, but, but, but let's see. The bottom line in this scene uh, comes to, yes, he locked them in the closet and he, and he kept the key in the closet. So, yeah, as a test. With, and then he he's waiting. What? He knew he was going to try to escape, probably. He did it deliberately. He did it deliberately. He really entrapped Just to punish him. Lily entrapped the kid and then gives him, you know, bread and water, tries to starve him. And, and Tim Shaw comes in to give him food yeah, and, and all this and charity and charity brings in the book, the big book. So yeah, Jameson, that was a big mistake. That was a big mistake because he used it to get out. He used it to he used it to escape. And, and Tim Shaw was laughing at charity saying, see what you get when you start acting like your father, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But yes, the bottom line is, is that Nora, I mean, um, uh, Laura, Laura finds out about all this, and so she tries to get the kid 
and, and of she course, burns the school down. Because Gregory Trask refuses to let him go. And she didn't give him his chance, but he said, no, you know. Does anybody uh, sleep on this show? Do you notice that never. nobody sleeps like ever, hardly at all? Well, Barnabas does during the day. I mean, you know, there's yeah. always. Well, a- he's keeping count on him. Which yeah. takes us to scene three. All right. Nora sees a vision of her absent mother, Laura, in the flames of the fireplace. Nora sneaks out of Collingwood to search for her mother in the woods. Laura returns to Collingwood. Quentin sees her and claims that he saw her die in a fire in Alexandria. Laura refuses her husband Edward's bribe of payment to leave town permanently. Laura causes Quentin to experience a fiery pain. Angelique attempts to destroy Laura by pouring sand into an urn containing her supernatural power. In an attempt to save herself from destruction, Laura prays to Ra to take possession of dirt. Laura tells, that's what happened. Okay, that makes sense. Laura tells Jameson that Quentin is trying to kill her. Barnabas Mm -hmm. is shocked at the sight of Laura. Barnabas sends Xandor to find Laura's grave, and Edward tells Barnabas what he knows of Laura's history. Laura confesses that she has returned to Collingwood to take custody of her children, Jameson and Nora. Barnabas uses an incantation from the Egyptian Book of the Dead to conjure up the spirit of Laura, and Quentin and Barnabas try to destroy Laura, which kind of cracks me up when Angelique and Laura start getting after each other. It's like Clash of the Titans. <laughs> that is probably one of the best, um, one of the best, uh, uh, what is it, uh, you know, where the two pit themselves against each other. That's probably one of the best enmities in Dark Shadows. The Phoenix versus the witch. Yeah. Abel's back and Garson's got him, as they used to but say. But Angelique gets, you know, the last laugh. But Angelique gets the upper hand. I kind of wish they would have done that a little longer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I really like the fact when Laura was about to tell everybody that Barnabas was a vampire and yeah. Angelique, in the classic, makes her stop, makes her unable to talk. And then <clears throat> when Angelique first prevents Laura from staking Barnabas and they have that little, now that's their first meeting actually. And they have that nice little, <laughs> excuse me. They have that nice little argument in the, uh, in the cellar. And as uh, Angelique is leaving, Laura causes a wall of fire between Laura and the cellar door. And uh, just, uh, and so that's Laura's way of saying to Angelique, I'm not without my powers also. And then Angelique with the doll and everything. And that's yeah. how Laura gets Dirk involved. Uh, you know, uh, the spirit of Ra enters into Roger Davis, who unfortunately he may do a little bit of overacting here. Uh, but, <laughs> but he's, but he, but he gets a chance now to, and, and finally, you know, Laura's kissing him on the cheek practically. You know, it's like implied that the two are lovers. And Laura's yeah. kissing him on the cheek for like three quarters of the relationship. And finally, they kiss on the lips for a couple of times. Well, it's about time, you know? I mean, well, was, you would have thought, you know, you, you, well, I guess soap operas weren't as cheesy or weren't as, um, what do you call it? Like they practically show everything now. Oh, but yeah. I guess oh, they yeah. weren't doing that back in the, people were still, you know, innocent, so to speak. So you, I guess it's what I guess you're supposed to guess about. They're probably having sex or well together uh, in the the biblical sense. It's a hell of a it's a hell of a term. But then you see Quentin and Beth uh, sucking face like uh, yeah, and then they're tidying nobody... up their clothes and stuff in their hair. <laughs> so it's like they were getting it on clearly. Yeah, so. yeah, like nobody else's business. Come on, you know. I feel sorry for Beth. 
I feel I feel sorry for Dirk. Uh, all Dirk. Of, yeah, he's such what? a yeah. He's like he's the whipping post, right? He, he, oh, darn he right does everything for everybody, and he gets and he gets screwed for it, and yeah. he will, and you'll and you see what happens. But getting back to scene three, uh, I think that uh, yeah, there's there are all these scenes where uh, Jameson runs away and then he comes back. Nora runs runs away and then yeah. she comes back, and uh, so they do that for they do that for a while, they and do now that the a plot, lot. That's right. And now the plot comes out versus Quentin seeing Laura die in a pyre in Alexandria. And he gets. But why was she there in a pyre in Alexandria? Why was she being burned alive? No one ever says anything. Never explained. Unless I missed it. No, you didn't miss it. it. It was a writer's glitch. No one ever explained why. How did that lead? Not like she. Uh, what, I mean, what did she do? Uh, get a hangnail or something? Why yeah, just she, like who's going to yeah. jump on a fire? I mean, you know, well, that, talking about jumping on the fire. I mean, every other scene, you see Diana Malay looking into the fire. Yeah. And, and, but and at least reminds- she's not so stoic, though, in this, like she was in the beginning episodes. She, she does a lot more evil. looking and a lot less interaction. She was very pregnant, too, she at was, that point. So that point, that- yes. But here she's more evil and the character is really more defined. Oh, she's totally wretched. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, and that I think is the major difference. You know, Keith was seeing the, uh, the, the pathos in her, you know, the, uh, the unfortunate, uh, thing that she had to go through with the kids and everything. Of course, Keith, Keith can explain that better. Uh, but here you don't see any of that. I think they have decided that they're going to do away with that. And it's going to be very, very direct. She wants the kids and she wants to take them into the fire any way she gets them. And she got a limited amount of time to do it, just like it was in the first. But right. I must confess, the first time I ever we ever see Laura again is when she appears to Nora at Widow's Hill. If you remember, and, uh, and 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 it's really funny because uh, and, and and Denise Nickerson says, does such a great job. As She's Nora, an excellent way. little actress. Oh back my God, what a great job! I wish I was, she was still alive. I would have loved too. to talk Wish her in peace. May memory be a blessing. But you know, but so she's like looking out into the cliffs, and all of a sudden she sees, and all of a sudden a hand, a gloved hand. Uh, t- uh, grabs her by the shoulder, and that's the last scene of that episode. And then the next scene of well, that was she going to jump? It looked like she was thinking, fixing a jump or something. She didn't know. She didn't know what she was going to do, but she was very, very. You could see she was very depressed and missing her mother and all this. And and of course, the blooper is is that the hand, the gloved hand, grabs grabs her at the end of the episode, and then the following episode, it is. It is, of course, that was an extra, uh, an unbilled extra. The following episode it was Diana Malay, and Diana Malay had that piece of jewelry, that bracelet. Oh, you yeah. Didn't see that oh, in the last... yeah, the one that fell off. Yeah. That's right. You didn't see that in the last scene. You didn't see that in the first scene when she's grabbing her. And then, and then there was, was a lot of bloopers in this block. Yes, I there a well shit is. Ton of bloopers. Yes, there well is. Yes, yes, yes. And I'll, of course, be talking about, I'll be talking about that. I, uh, I wonder whether no, I don't think this is the one where Selby said Barnabas Cousins. That was in the last block, but uh, you do have Joan Bennett mistaking David for Jameson, and she'll say David's name uh, in a couple of blue. I said I, I caught that too. I yeah, you that. did, huh? Yeah, I yeah, caught yeah. the one though where Barnabas was standing somewhere too, and you could see the back of Louis Edmonds' head. They were just, uh-huh. st- you could see two, the cameraman. The cameraman was not on target. Whoever was running the camera in these blocks. You know, you can see the boom <clears throat> shadow and. Oh, 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 yeah. No, you see the mics very often. And you saw the mic on the couch 
in the drawing room in Collinwood. You and and there's a scene where uh, it's a mirror, and I forget which room it's in, but I think it might be in Laura's room. And uh, there's a mirror, and you can actually see the 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 boom that the mic is attached to, and it moves back, and then you see the mic itself, and it looked like it had cobwebs on it. So whoever <laughs> so whoever it was wasn't cleaning that mic well. That's for sure. Maybe that was Kurt Juggerhands, uh, the one that they. I mean. didn't know that though. That raw possessed Dirk. I, I, I. That went right over my head. I thought she just enchanted him, and he was just being her. You know, her it, boy. it wasn't. Well, it's a good point. It wasn't actually explained. I think that precisely in the writing, but you do get. But later on, you do get that she had called upon Ra to possess. To, to possess him to the extent where he'd be a vessel. In other words, not possess him to the point where Ra was speaking through him and Ra right. took over his personality, but to the point where Ra was able to uh, be the, the, he was the vessel for Ra's commands. That's why he, he spoke the, the Egyptian mumbo jumbo. And, 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 and then all of a sudden Laura got better uh, and, and, and stuff and stuff like I that. I was wondering when the chi was going to come in hand because they, he was messing with that too. And he had the books and the, and everything else, but he never, they don't, he doesn't mention that in this block. And I, I'm Who's assuming that? Who's um, that? Uh, Quentin. He, oh. he was into a little bit of everything, you know. In, but but again, Laura was keeping stuff from him, and so that's probably another reason. And uh, you know, Quentin was afraid of everything, and this is and it's good reason because Quentin knew what a what a, what a rotter she was. But also in this scene, we get the um, we get the backstory that Barnabas now the change in history that Barnabas when he was 10 years old met Laura yeah he was married to Jeremiah yeah Yeah, the first the first wife of Jeremiah and Barnabas when he was 10 years old and they painted the picture of Laura in the old house and Barnabas found that picture with charity and uh so this is a total uh this is a total the writers went off the beam because in the original 1795, of course, Laura was never talked about. And Barnabas and uh, Jeremiah were almost the same age. Uh, now already, uh, Jeremiah is older and uh, meets, uh, and, and meets well, Barnabas. Well, Jeremiah was supposed to be older. He's Well, he's Barnabas's uncle, correct? Right, right, right. Right. But he's, I, he's not it would have done much, better if they very were close brothers. In age. I wish they would have just made him brothers, but... But they didn't. But no. no, I'm not sure whether they actually made them brothers in the 91 sequel. I'm I'm, I'm trying to, I'm kind of, I, I don't remember. Uh, no, no, I don't. I, I'm not, I just I'm think not it sure would have been better did. served. I don't know why. That's just my preference. Because well, it would have been more of a, a more of a, I don't know. It it just seemed more logical to be mad because, you know, and all that yeah. stuff happened with Josette. I, but I, got, I, I didn't got it, know yeah. he had a wife prior to that because that was the first mm-hmm. time they mentioned Jeremiah being married to Laura Stockbridge. They, right. Exactly. She must have married they a Collins because she was a Collins. So she is, she is actually, if you think about it, talk about incest. She is actually uh, the... What is it? Because let's see, she married Edward, right? And so, and then Jameson and two kids. So, and Jameson is Elizabeth and Roger's father. So she is actually Elizabeth and Roger's grandmother. 
and David's great grandmother. That's just ooey creepy. That is very. So how can she be the great grandmother and also be the mother of David? So, the, so here's the grandmother fooling around with the grandson and having didn't, a kid. Didn't one boy die in the fire with her? You're thinking later. You're thinking is later. Is it later? Okay. That's much okay. later. That's much, okay. that's much I didn't know later. if that was prior before. I, I just know it was stuck in my head somewhere. And then on top of that, okay, we got Barnabas and Edward. Barnabas is really after Laura, like 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 white on rice. And <laughs> uh, she just is. I mean, he he's just got to be. Well, he's trying to. What people don't understand, he's trying to save these the children in the, right. the, in the present time. Right. Right. So and, and, this is and, all getting convoluted. If you miss one episode, you are not going to know what's going Which is why <laughs> you almost got to watch every stinking one or you're just going to be lost. It's not like why at this point, even the writers got so lost in the famous story is that the writers actually went out into the street to the fans to ask them what's going on, you know, what's going on. And that the fans is so funny. Them. That really happened, did it? It really happened. It, it really, really happened. happened. And so, you know, that's that's exactly uh, yes, and it is, but it, but for people who are able to remember it, it was it was it was absolutely marvelous, and uh, the the interesting thing that they that the writers and Violet Wells should be commended. They brought Violet Wells back from the first year. She was one of the original three writers of the show, uh, yeah. because back then, if you remember, it was Art Wallace, I think Sprout, yeah. I think, and and Violet Wells, and Violet Wells. Right. And uh, Violet Wells was able to come back, do some part time writing. And she really and, and maybe Violet Wells had worked on Laura, the original Laura plot. So she was able to do some stuff. But I really like that line that she gave Laura about. I remember you, Barnabas, when you were a young, dreamy boy. Yeah. Uh, and look what happened to you. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and, 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 and the what- problem is the funny part about <clears throat> all of this is that. They all just don't want to recognize supernatural activity in their lives, even though it is just rampant. And it's, it's, it's just funny because they just don't want to believe it, you know. It, it's and and of, I just don't understand why why he keeps reverting. Barnabas keeps reverting to a vampire anytime he goes somewhere. So well, not well. That's because if he goes back into the past, the theory is that's when he was a vampire. Well, in theory, he was not anymore. Yeah, but he was cured, remember, in the 20th century. Right. Uh, and so but and so up to that point, he was in the coffin. So anytime he goes back into the past uh, and it's and it's after he's cursed, then he's going to wake up as a vampire. And uh, in fact, Barnabas asked Angelique if she loves him so much, why doesn't she cure him? Yeah. You know? And and she's like, you know, and you can see that she just really wants to keep the control on him. Yeah. Because if if somebody were, I mean, honest, Vicky, if somebody loves somebody so unconditionally, you don't think she would have said, OK, you're not a vampire yeah. anymore. Let's live the rest of our lives. But out that here. wouldn't be any fun. Where's That's fun right. That, That's you right. Know? Yeah, you got it. I just don't understand why he's not attracted to her. That's all. This is like he's. Stupid or what? Well, I think he was physically attracted, but it was just an infatuation. Remember, they had that little fun in Martinique. Yeah. But then yeah. he allegedly met Josette and everything fell out of the wayside because Josette was rich, too. Yeah. And, and it would have been just money a better marriage. Money. And he married money. Also, she's very pretty. 
and so it was a good uh, so it was a good match. Even though Keith feels that Vicky was the real love in Barnabas's life, I think but, he was too. But Vicky she wasn't was. around when he first met Josette, so there you know. So so there you. Know, I think Vicky was someone that came in later on when he when he went into the twentieth century. I and, just wish uh, they would have let her be a vampire. I totally miss her presence on the show. Who's this, uh, Vicky? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think she does I think she does too. What I think is very interesting though with Rachel is that you get a sense that they're trying to make a Vicky out of her in a way yeah. because Rachel talks about the past and about how she likes the past and about how she likes to hear about the past. If you remember when Vicky first yeah. came on she had the same thing. She used to talk about how she she actually got there, you know, but then she ended up living there and we never find Mm -hmm. out if they went off into the sunset or not. Not on the original show. If anybody wants to read Laura Parker's book, Victoria Winters, which was the fourth one in the series that she wrote. I have to get that. I keep meaning to get that. I'm glad you reminded me because I'm going to get it on my Kindle tonight. Sure. She do. Yes. And so you do find out what happened to Vicky in in that closure. <laughs> also, we got Quentin. He's trying to kill everybody. I think Quentin's got Quentin's just got too many women in his life. He's just he's got to slow down, man. He's got to slow his roll with all the broads. Well, that's because a, he's got he's got, he's got all these women. They either hate him or they're obsessed with him or he wants to kill in. them. And poor that's what Jenny. does him in. Um, I mean, you know, that's what does him in. Why the hell does he become in the? I just don't hours? understand why Jenny goes crazy because she had twins. I, I but that's in the. I don't know if it was because she had twins or because Quentin left her to go with Laura, and yeah. I think that's what got her crazy, and uh, that was how she reacted to it. And uh, in the meantime, Edward was uh, Edward was furious, and you know because he felt that Quentin dumped Jenny on them, and they never liked Jenny because she was a gypsy. And that's what we're also going to get into here right. in this block. We establish that uh, Jenny is the sister of Magda. Yep. Which and takes that- us to scene four. Very good. And that is. Jenny is ordered by Laura to kill Quentin. Big surprise there. Mm. Jenny meets Barnabas at the old house and Quentin takes a pistol to search for her. Jenny's sister Magda is shocked to discover that Jenny has been locked away at Collingwood all this time. Magda threatens to curse Quentin, which now that's all making sense. Jenny tells Judith that she saw Barnabas in a coffin. Jenny prepares to kill Quentin and Beth, after overhearing them declare their love for each other, accidentally quentin well i don't know you accidentally strangled i agree with you there i'm very glad you said that sorry keith but i don't think he accidentally killed jenny he i don't think he meant to kill her her, but i think he lost his shit there for a little bit listen after after he took the knife away from her he could have because she did try to kill them both with a knife but after he took the knife away from her and got her down on the bed held her down on the bed he simply could have held her down and told beth to get help but instead of that, he starts choking him. Well, he so, wanted to. He was. He wanted to kill her anyway. I just don't her. understand why he hates her so much. All of a sudden. Well, this was before he knew about the children. Yeah, he doesn't know things. yet. Yeah, he doesn't know yet, and he figures that Jenny is a is a real monkey on his back, an albatross, because he because he, he's thinking of a life with Beth, and Jenny, frankly, is in the way. Whereas Beth is horrified. 
uh, at what's going on. And that's what I wanted to talk. You know, when we initially meet Beth, you don't think she's such a sympathetic girl because no. we don't know the back. But then, as I said to you, and now we're getting into the real backstory with Beth and about how sorry she felt for Jenny and about how she took care of her and yeah. about how she had the kids and the kids were with Mrs. Fillmore in town yeah. and how she'd bring food to the kids and money to the kids, money to the kids. So I don't uh, know why a, they just didn't let the kids live at Collinwood. They're Collinses. I've we're afraid because they were gypsies because they were gypsies oh that's right i keep forgetting that she's a closet gypsy yeah she's a a closet gypsy those those people have suffered that i mean syria really historically suffered just as badly as the jews and it's very interesting and and it's interesting you point that out because there's a scene actually in the first i I started to read victoria winters laura parker and it is laura parker for everyone not lara parker (laughs) uh i get confused myself sometimes but um the the first one of the first scenes talks about Vicky in 1797 after she went back with Peter Bradford associating with gypsies and what happened. So there you go. It's funny you mentioned that, uh, Vicky. So, you know, that that resonates. So you'll see that when you read it. Yeah, but, I'm going to uh, have to download that now. But I think this is. <laughs> I just can't forget to get it. <laughs> but this is the major. But this is the uh, this is a major, major point because what we what i think the best things that we get out of this block are the the appearance and demise of laura because laura's killed off for the final time uh the laura versus angelique and now the quentin curse yeah which happens as a result those are the three things that we really really see anything else is like secondary nice that yeah. Trask appears and and, and and pompously runs around and stuff like that nice that clara's blackburn does a couple of good does a couple of good acting jobs as minerva and gives and gives uh, him hell uh but and, you know and this thing with tim and uh that'll come in later where uh Humbert Allen, the Strato hypnotizes Tim to poison the uh, to poison the wine once he sees the Queen of Spades, yeah. you know that kind of thing. That's near the end of the block. But the real thing here, those three things that I just mentioned, in my opinion, are really the and 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 this third thing is the the curse of Quentin. Yeah, curse Quentin becomes the werewolf, and Barnabas finds out about it after he bites Beth. We can't remember now. Yeah, he's biting everybody. Barnabas, I thought he was a real, you know, low-key vampire until this block. He's like biting everybody. He's a fighting fool. Even even bit poor Xandor, you know. Just think of that. He bit Xandor. He bit Dirk. At least he he didn't bite his wrist like he did Willie's. No, no, he gave him a good job. He has a bat. As a bat, but he he opens the door and and and, and there's and there he put he put Dirk in the storage room, you know, uh, you know that was uh, that Davis the poor Roger is just sitting there with his neck hanging out, but uh, but yeah no uh, for anybody wondering why isn't Barnabas biting everybody he sure makes up for it here, and yeah. and and Beth then tells him that Quentin is the werewolf. And that's when it all comes together for Barnabas. It was the missing link, the missing piece, because who the heck was the werewolf and how was he? And and then, of course, we find out that the children, he finds out about the children. And obviously uh, the children survived, but not as Collins is. And they had children themselves and their children had children. And that's how that all that all ties up nicely, doesn't it? And guess who's a descendant of those kids? Shall we tell them now? Shall we so tell them? I hope that he finds out he's a Collins. 
Who else is a werewolf, Vicky, in the 20th century? Who else is a werewolf? Oh, my God. Have you forgotten already? Before we left the 20th century? Chris. Chris Jennings. Oh, I know. That's what I was talking about, Chris Jennings. So So he's got to be related. That's right. Yeah. Chris is the descendant of Quentin Collins. His great, great, or great. Whatever. He's, He's a descendant of... Either, I think it's the daughter, but I, 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 I should shut my mouth because that comes later. But yeah. he's a descendant. But now we can say that, that yeah, that Chris. That, is, that all ties in. That makes that. Yes, yes because that's any what I was male, talking about. That good. Yeah, because any male, uh, you know, that's any male descendant yeah. will, be, will get the curse. And so that's why Amy doesn't have it. It's interesting that Tom didn't get it. That's very yeah. interesting that Tom did. He became a vampire instead. And you wonder oh, why. Well, he might have. He, well, you don't know, I guess. Well, you don't know because that was before anything. He should have been a vampire and a werewolf. That would have been fun. Yeah, you know? hybrid. <laughs> they had, well, didn't they take care of that hybrid stuff in uh, what's the name of that movie? Underworld. Series? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they took care of that later on. Yeah. I love yeah, but. It. But that was, uh, yeah, that was great with her. What's her name? Uh, she was the English actress. Oh, she yeah. Was oh, my God. I got a girl crush on her. Oh, really? Really? She oh. is so pretty. I love all of her movies. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. She's wonder- She's really wonderful. Okay. But, so we- but, but anyway, so are we ready yet for scene five? Or is yeah. Yeah. Magda informs him that he Magda informs Quentin that he will be cursed for the rest of his life. Magda describes the history of the curse to Quentin and tells him that it will begin that night at sunset. Magda recites an incantation and Quentin is struck by pain as the full moon rises. Dorcas Trilling. She looks familiar. I'm going to have to pick your brain on her. A teacher at Trask school is brutally murdered. Evan Hanley believes a pentagram may keep Quentin safe from the curse. Beth steps into the pentagram to protect her from the werewolf. After Quentin pleases, after Quentin pleads to Evan to help end the, the curse, Evan conducts a ceremony to raise the devil. <laughs> that's that's very funny. Well, Gail Strickland, who played Dorcas Trilling, did she uh, play Vicky? Does she play Vicky? Did she play Vicky no, once? No, 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 no. No, uh, there were three actresses that played Vicky, Diana Malay, Carolyn Groves. God, she looks course, so familiar. It's driving me nuts. Well, because Gail Strickland, and I'm looking for my notes on her, and I'll probably find it after we end the podcast. But, uh, but oh, wait a minute. I think I did. I find her. She just looks really. Oh, this is a pagoda. Oh, no, I'm too, I'm too further. I'm too the further down. But Dorcas Trill, but uh, Gail Strickland went on to a lot of TV work and a lot of uh, guest star work and uh i will uh, you know we'll get we'll get back to her i'm gonna i'm gonna look for my notes on her but suffice it to say that she was very and, and, and excuse me everybody because i'm turning pages as i uh as, as i talk uh but she was very very uh famous in the in the 80s 
and she did a lot of work. Um, but, but let's talk more about scene five for now. Um, oh, I do want to also, you know, while I'm, I, I'm sorry to change the subject, but I have to remember right. Edward, Edward Marshall. Edward Marshall, who played young Ezra Braithwaite in, uh, in, in this block, and that was when uh, Barnabas called up to make sure that Beth had, uh, you know, he called up to say that Beth had gotten the pentagram from young Ezra Braithwaite. Oh, that's old Ezra. But she had two made. She, um, yes, yes. One for her and one for the kid and one for the male kid. She had one made for one made for her and one made for the kid, I believe. Uh, and uh, that that wasn't, by the way, in the in originally only one was made in the uh, in in the twentieth century uh, before they before they came back. Uh, but uh, that was played by Edward Marshall, who had previously played Harry Johnson in an extra role when they decided they wanted to get rid of right. Craig Slocum. So uh, that was actually a friend of Catherine Lee Scott's, who uh, she knew him from acting school, I believe. And so she got uh, so she got Edward Marshall on the show. So Edward Marshall wound up playing. Um, Edward Marshall wound up playing uh, young Ezra Breakway for those two lines. And I also have to say about Laura getting back to her. Everybody was so happy to see her. Even the Collinsport Fly paid her a visit. Uh, you'll see that in a blooper that Collins Port Fly lands on Diana Malay's head. I saw. So you did see that. that Collins, but that, that fly shows up every so often. I mean, it landed on Barnabas once. It landed on Barnabas a few times. It landed yeah. on uh, Jerry Lacey as Reverend Trask. It, it landed, but it hadn't landed on anybody for a while. Until so- Mike Pence. <laughs> It came out of it came out of retirement to land on to land to land on Mike Pence. I'm killing myself because I can't find Gail uh, Strickland is an American actress. Thank you, thank you. Go ahead. As prominent supporting roles in such films as The Drowning Pool, Bound for Glory, Who Will Stop the Rain, Norma Ray, and Protocol. I knew I'd seen her. She's been on a lot of stuff. So I just I just found it as you were as you were looking it up. Now that talks about teamwork. Remember that, Keith. So she was in Status Quo Vadis. Uh, she was in The President's Mistress, uh, Drowning Pool, Murder, She Wrote. She was in Quo Vadis? Yes. It, it I was love called, that movie. She With was Tony called, Curtis. Uh, it's, uh, it's called Status Quo Vadis. So I think it was kind of a sequel or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Status Quo Vadis. Um, but uh, hold on. Great Gatsby, I think she might have been in. She's been uh, a lot. Her name, she's, Murder, she I knew wrote. I recognized her, but she's so she was young, and I just go, oh, I know that oh. face. She, I, I think she was a Klingon. Her. She was a Klingon on DS. That's right. That's right. The Klingon on DS Nine, absolutely. J J A G, American President, Seinfeld, Highway to Heaven, uh, Mash, Family Ties. Uh, my God, need I say more? Yeah, she she's, was, been, she's got quite a career. She has done incredible, incredible stuff. And she got her start on Dark Shadows, yep. everybody, as Dorcas. And you will see her one more time. Uh, That's well, why she's... the fans have to keep looking at the next block. She appears once more. So uh, she's not. But she was the first victim of the of Quentin as a werewolf. Well, she's haunting uh, him, too. Was that her haunting uh-huh, him? Uh-huh. Yeah. And how pretty she was back then, don't you think, Vicky? Yeah, she was. I thought she was very pretty. I'm sorry that they didn't make a regular out of her. Yeah, I was wondering why they didn't. She was an excellent, she's an excellent actress. She's only 74. 
And, oh my God, she's still alive. She's still, she's still around. alive. Might have to look Ooh. her up. You should try to get her on for an interview, huh? She's got quite a career to talk about, that's for sure. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's an interesting idea. I wish she had been a vampire on the show. She would have made a good vampire. She would have made but a great vampire. Absolutely. There's another, there's somebody else, and we're not going to talk about. There's another one that became a movie star mm-hmm. and became that was a vampire for one episode. But we're not going to talk about her right, right now. We will talk about her later on. But getting back to scene five. We we see that uh, now there's a big deal about how the curse is going to happen. Quentin enters into his descent into paranoia. <laughs> and and Magda gives the horns. You know. Oh, I know. I guess I used to think it was uh, Dio that did the horns at first, but it was Magda. It Magda was, did the horns first. It wasn't Magda, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely Magda. So Magda did the you know and the poo poo and everything, and uh, but then it wasn't enough. She had to get Quentin to drink the potion. Now I think this is very interesting because you know this is of course a ripoff of the Lon Chaney werewolf stuff exactly. from 1941. But here Magda is the one that curses Quentin in the original. Lon Chaney movie, Maliva, who was played by Maria Ashpenskaya, was the gypsy, and she was helping uh, Larry Talbot. Right. Uh, so, and, and and she because it was her son Bela, played by Bela Lugosi, who bit Larry Talbot and cursed him. So, I think that's very very interesting that in the werewolf in the original Universal movie, the gypsy was helping him. Here, the gypsy is cursing him. Well, because so, Jenny's her sister, we find out. That's right. And because Je- he killed Jenny. And that's what set Magda over the edge. Mm-hmm. And uh, she uh, and she talks, interestingly enough, that she had only, she was telling Xandor that she had only seen the curse performed once before. And it was on a man named Count Patafi. Remember yeah. that, people who have not watched Dark Shadows yet, the old fans know exactly what I'm talking about, because you will see that Count Patofi character later on in the show. But that was the first time that we have any mention of uh, Count Patofi. Magnus telling Xandor about it and, yeah. and how it happened. But yes, so Dorcas Trilling is murdered in the woods, and uh, then... Quentin believes, as you as it says, a, uh, Evan Hanley believes the pentagram keeps uh, Quentin safe. Uh, and of course, uh, Quentin turns into the werewolf in front of Beth. Beth uh, uh, Evan had drawn the pentagram in yeah. his room and he wanted Quentin to sit in it, but Quentin refused to do it. And uh, then uh, then Beth got into the pentagram and that prevented uh, the werewolf from attacking her. And it's interesting that the werewolf can open the door. Uh, I never heard of a werewolf. Well, then we can't, we gotta, we gotta talk about Alex too, because this is how we meet Alex. Alex Stevens. Yes. Well, we saw Alex Stevens earlier in the 20th century. That's true. That's true. That's right. He did it all. That's right. He sure did. He just came back. And don't you notice that Quentin is like that Selby is like, what, six foot two? And Alex Stevens is like five foot seven. Yeah, uh, he's, he's smaller. So he's I, I noticed that. <laughs> I noticed that. And the eye color is different, too. Apparently so he lost knows? height when he became but, a werewolf. <laughs> the, who knows what happens when, you know, you turn into a werewolf. I haven't had the luxury of turning into one. There's a lot well, of people I'd hit up if I did, but I haven't recently. And they're close. Well, at least this, how many outfits is Quentin going to go through? I mean, the I, guy must, he doesn't have any clothes left at this point, but, but at least they're tearing them at least to make it look good before. I mean, he woke up with a perfectly good suit. But I must tell you this, 
is the best dressed werewolf I've ever seen no in the shit. movies or TV because he turns into a werewolf. He's got a nice vest and a yeah. tie and a and a shirt, and he's got a, and sometimes he's got a jacket on. He looks like he's going out for the night, and he is. Uh, so I, I, I really got to admit, you know, he, he, he looks, he looks great in that vest before he rips everything off. Uh, but okay. So, uh, you know, there we, and of course there is, uh, in scene five, finally, we've got that, uh, we've got that ceremony that takes place in order to raise the devil, uh, to deal with, you know, in order to try and cure Quentin and Reverend Tresk. Uh, steps on the scene. Do we have anything else to talk about that, or are we going to scene six? I think we can go to scene six. Okay. Rolling right along, people. Okay. Jameson escapes from the school. Jameson visits Laura, who plans to leave town, and she vows revenge after Barnabas takes Jameson from her. In the grave of Ben Stokes, Dirk finds the diary which Laura believes contains the secret of Barnabas. After Dirk locates Barnabas's coffin, Laura realizes he is a vampire and prepares to destroy him. Angelique attempts to thwart Laura, and a ceremony is held to take Laura's life force from her. Laura calls upon the sun god Ra to help her eliminate Angelique with fire. Laura gives Dirk a letter to Judith, revealing the truth about Barnabas, who later attacks Dirk. From within a circle of flames, Laura summons her children to join her. Barnabas suspects that Beth has ordered a pentagram to protect Jenny's infant twins, and Beth tells Barnabas about Quentin's curse. Well, only because he bit her, but Magda shoots the werewolf with (laughs) silver bullets, and why didn't that kill him? Uh, actually, that's the last episode, so we don't know if it kills him. I, I, I have a feeling it will probably wound him. Slow uh, down a little bit, but because he only shot him once, uh, you gotta shoot him in the heart. And, and, and well, that's the thing. Remember, that was the thing. What? Why Barnabas wasn't killed when when uh, Nathan Forbes that's right, got yeah. him with the arrow because he didn't shoot him in the heart. So I think that's probably, but the answer to your question is going to be found in the next block because yep. uh, it was a very last episode uh, that she shot, that she shot him with one bullet and he fell to the ground. Uh, and now we're going to see what happens. So that's a nice cliffhanger. But yes, once again, as you said, Jameson escapes from the school. How many times is Jameson going to escape from the goddamn school? Uh, and of course, that school is now in the house by the sea, uh, which uh, Judith is given to Trask. And Judith finds, uh, Judith is quite infatuated with Trask. She thinks he's uh, heaven's gift. And quite frankly, he's quite, he's quite the opposite. Um, and again, uh, here we have the ceremony that we were talking about uh, to take Laura's life force from her. Uh, the 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 Ra Angela Laura calls upon the sun god Ra, and and the letter to Judith, uh, which was given to Dirk, was never intercepted because he caught Dirk and bit him uh, right before he entered Collinwood, and he destroyed the letter. And yes, and and in this scene, finally, uh, Laura uh, tries to get the children to to join her. But Angelique this time makes Laura uh, her real age. 
And so and so we see in the battle between Angelique and Laura, Angelique is finally the victor because she makes Laura age to her real appearance. She must be thousands of years old. And the kids are scared to, to go into Laura's arms and then Laura is consumed into flames. And that's how she and that's how she dies. And, and, and quite frankly, that's, you know, it's it, it's a, that's the last appearance of Diana Malay. As yeah, Laura Collins sad. in Dark Shadows, and I and I would miss and I will miss that in a way because Diana Malay was a true segue between the first year of Dark Shadows and now. Yeah, and so she's not only meeting the people that she worked with then. Of course, she worked with Tennessee as David, and now she's working with him again. Uh, but and and of course, she worked with Louis Edmonds. But now she's meeting Barnabas. Now she's meeting all these other people that she really didn't work with. Because, you know, back then it was a very, very small circle. It was just the Collins family. And Laura was really the first supernatural creature, if, if, if I remember correctly. Right. Uh, you could go about that. Uh, who, who, who was uh, that guy that became a ghost? Uh, which oh, is, the, the, the the friend they drowned. Well, he didn't drown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah, killed him? Well, no, who killed him? With the oh seaweed. The seaweed goes Victoria season. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and who? And 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 so he was really maybe you know maybe but but he only appeared a couple of times, and uh, I will be. I will be chastised because there are fans that have a uh, that have a Facebook website devoted to him. So I'm sorry for that in advance. I'll get it by next time. Uh, but uh, uh, I should say. So here uh, we. So here I think we really have a a wrap up. Uh, there is one more very short scene. Uh, to, to go into, but I think here we have the wrap up of Laura versus Angelique. Uh-huh. Um, we had the we have the curse. How we the have curse was and Quentin trying to kill Laura. Correct, correct, and we have the curse that was established, and uh, we also have the secondary plot of Trask coming onto the scene, Tim Shaw coming onto the scene, um, Dirk, uh, you know, uh, Dirk getting his. Uh, having his little tete-a-tete with Laura and all these, all these subplots are, and of course, Minerva uh, with her, and you'll see more arguments between her and Trask later, but where all these kind of sedge and they, it was handled marvelously in, in terms of a writing standpoint. Uh, exactly. You, you, yeah. You feel that that way too, Vicky? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so too. Uh, anything else about scene six? No, no, but pretty, pretty self-explanatory. These all really rolled well together. So I guess we can do our scene seven. That's it. Okay. Quentin and Evan grow suspicious of Trask's involvement with Judith and other women. You think Beth reveals to Magda that Jenny had twins Evan puts a spell on Tim to poison a drink. Yeah, and that's very, very self-explanatory. I mean, really, this talks about the uh, the setup where the reason, uh, remember, Trask has enlisted Evan uh, to do this. and uh, Well, he walked in on him doing a spell or something. And, I mean, I thought that Evan was going to come undone on that one. Well, uh, Trask walked in, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and Evan knew that Trask... He didn't Trask- seem too upset or 
fear of the, you know anything. So I, I, I've got to try to figure him out again. Well, Evan was psyching, was freaking out. But but uh, but Trask was the kind of it, it, you really get the impression that Gregory Trask is someone who expects when he sees he he's able to sniff out evil, and when he uh, and when he sees evil, uh, he's, he 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 wants to take advantage of it. He wants to manipulate it in a way, and so when he walked in on those two, I think he had a suspicion about Quentin already. But this thing with Evan, I think, really. Um, you know, really, really cued him in and a sneaky, sneaky smart. Maybe he is a devil because sneaky devil that he is. He is he, sneaky. Well, he's sitting there asking for Satan to come and lo and behold, as we discussed earlier, Trask is there. So exactly. You got to wonder. You got to. Yeah. So so he right away develops the plan and and he's very nice to tim shaw tim shaw is so such a naive bastard and and tim shaw thinks oh he's such oh, a nice guy he's okay. gonna let me he's gonna let me free now he's gonna let me because trask says oh i'm gonna let you and charity make your life somewhere else and stuff like that and you know just uh but but you have to see evan and uh, because Evan has a Latin book for you, and uh, and I kind of like the way uh, Hubbard Island State pronounced it, prese, a prese of the Latin book. Uh, and I didn't even know how, that it was pronounced that way. I thought it was prese, but uh, a prese of the Latin book, and uh, so meanings, and and he's and that's so he he makes up a potion and he coats the pages of the book, the edges of the book with the potion. So uh, Tim Shaw is. Really reading the book and he's licking his finger uh, yeah. with every page. And that's how the poison gets. And that's how the, the poison gets into him. And then uh, this whole business where he's hypnotized, uh, where Tim is hypnotized and uh, Evan uh, tells him uh, that when he, when he sees the queen of spades, that's when he will put poison, the, 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 the uh, nightshade that he bought for Magda. Tim bought yeah. nightshade from Magda. And that was another interesting scene. Uh, so then he poisoned the nightshade into the drink. And uh, that's when he will give the poison. But in the first scene, uh, Evan didn't realize that uh, once the queen of spades uh, was shown that Tim was going to expect Evan to drink that. So he almost poisons Evan by making him drink it himself. And Evan somehow, and you see, actually, Humper Down in the Strato slips in the scene. He almost falls out of his chair because, because uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Briscoe's trying to choke him. But uh, that was very well done. But anyway, so finally, they somehow convince him. And then he, uh, he rehypnotizes him and makes him realize. And there's one interesting scene where Tim goes, where, where the werewolf, werewolf is terrorizing and Tim runs into the uh, drawing room and Judith is playing cards. And Judith happens to accidentally show him the queen of spades. Yeah. And for a minute, and for a minute, uh-oh, you know, and then the phone rings and it snaps him out of his, or, or the door ring, or the doorbell, or something like that, or the door, and that snaps Tim out of it. But that's very. But that's a very nice touch. That's a very nice touch. It so really was. So, uh, so Vicky, look at me, and that's where that ends, and that's where that ends, and so Starting. you pull. And this takes us to our 
best and whatever worst storyline. <laughs> and I really like all of them. So I'm going to, I'm going to see what you have to say first, Tom, what was your best and your least favorite storyline? That's right. Leave it to me, Vicki. Oh, well, that's all right. Um, I hate these I, questions because I don't really hate anything. <laughs> that's right. Let's talk. Let, let's go on strike. Huh? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, you know, the best storyline, in my view, was Laura versus Angelique. That was mine. Absolutely. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. That is it, 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 that is probably. I wish I it would, lasted longer, too. Me, it too. It was great. Me too. The best storyline in the whole show, as far as I'm concerned, what they could have done with that. And they did some nice stuff with that because, you know, Ange- you know, Angelique, uh, you know, uh, halts her voice. Uh, Laura throws the fire in front of Angelique. Yeah. Oh, we must remember the doppelganger. Angelique right. put up a doppelganger and Laura. Look like she was dead. Yeah. That's right. And Laura didn't know. And so she wound up burning the doppelganger in flames. And Angelique then comes back later on to let Laura know that and Laura calls it the devious trick. But uh, that doppelganger thing is is kind of important because uh, and I'm not going to say anything because once again, uh, we will we will we will see about that doppelganger plot. But that's yeah. what she uses. Um, and so all this uh, really, that was a very, very great touch uh and it pitted the laura fans from years ago against the angelique fans of today and it also gave diana malay may she rest in peace because she passed away on january 21st of 2020 at the age of 86 as i believe it's either 20 or 21 but i think it's one of it's one of those years but she passed away at the age of 86 Mm -hmm. and uh she will and, and diana malay will long be remembered for her contribution to Dark Shadows, it was a, quite a big be a blessing. Too. Absolutely, but 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 we do have, uh, but we do have the. So that to me is the best uh, is the best uh, storyline. Well, let's see the worst storyline. There aren't a lot of bad storylines uh, already here. No, not really. I, I guess what is the most annoying, and I, I, I can't even. Uh, I just find I just find Gregory Trask annoying. Uh, you know, maybe that's his well. Character. They brought him back to be. I mean, talk about. I mean, I they could have done him a little differently instead of him looking like his predecessor. I think that I have to agree with you on that because I they, I would say hands down I would say that Angelique and the Laura storyline were excellent. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just that was just something that had to happen. I mean, just you know, like I said, Clash of the Titans kind of thing. You know, I just loved watching that. But as far as the storylines, I mean, I guess it would be trash, but I guess maybe I, I think I get annoyed with they're trying to reinvent Josette again. Well, unfortunately, they're always going to come back to that because this is this is the linchpin that Curtis felt was really drawing the fans, the Josette storyline. So if if Angelique decided that all was well, well, you mentioned it earlier yourself, and quite rightly, if all is well with the world, who the heck is going to watch Dark Shadows? If Angelique and Barnabas finally get together, and by the yeah. way, we're not going to talk. Right. We're not going to talk. Don't but, say but, anything. I won't say anything. But here, but but here, as we see, we have we have a reason for you know, the continuing feud and Angelique can really go anywhere in time. So wherever Barnabas goes, Angelique is going to follow. Yeah, uh, she, so we, she's so really we always, persistent. I think if, if, if I'm going to talk about the worst plot line uh, so far, um, I, 
I just think that this, uh, the wine, you know, with, uh, I guess they had to give Don Briscoe something to do. Uh, because this idea of Evan with, you know, with the queen of hearts and the wine and stuff like that, it comes later on right. in the block, but it's kind of, it's kind of boring compared to, uh, the Laura Angelique fight, uh, the, uh, the Quentin werewolf, you know, for the first time. Yeah. Those are hard to top. Those are just epic. Yeah. Epic yeah, and of course, yeah. I and I would really if 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 the Laura Angelique thing were not there, I would just I would say the Quentin Werewolf thing, but the Laura Angelique thing is really a unique thing. Uh, we do see, of course, David Selby going into seizures and and hysterics, yeah. and it makes you. I I, I will always li- I would like one of the fans to put a picture of Don Briscoe having his seizures before he turns into the werewolf, and David Selby having his seizures, and which David uh, Selby is much more. I, I think he. I don't know. He throws himself around a whole lot more. I think <laughs> he does. He does, and he. he gets, oh, he yeah. yeah that, I feel bad for him. I felt. I, I feel bad for Chris Jennings. I. I don't know. It's probably because they're the two of the hottest guys on the show. I guess. I think there's not a lot of eye hot, candy. The, the two of the only. <laughs> there's the two only eye candy on the show since Joe Crothers left. Yeah, and, and I can't think of anyone else actually since Joe Crothers. What Roger Davis. Well, you yeah, know, there's nothing wrong with him. There's other B set. Yeah, no, there's definitely some B set for There's just Davis. something. There's just something about Selby and um and 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 Briscoe. I don't know what it is. I mean, I didn't think that when he was a vampire. I thought he, they didn't have him looking near as pretty as they do when he's Chris Jennings. As opposed, well, they were first to experimenting. Brother. They were first experimenting with the Tom Jennings character, and uh, I think you know, and I think that's something uh, you know to you know, the, the, to remember. Anyway, that's my idea of the best and worst storyline. Uh, you have anything, uh, Vicky? No, I, I totally agree with that. I would have to say Laura and, and Angelique getting after each other was by far the best storyline. And I would have to agree with you again on, on Trask because I would like to have seen him come a little different looking. I, I don't think he needed the same sideburns. Well, he had longer hair, I mm-hmm. guess, back in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. But I just wish they might have made him differ just a little bit to make it more believable as opposed to him just walking out of 1795, I guess. I don't know. Exactly. I will say in, 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 in Jerry Lacey's uh, favor that the oh, scene, Jerry Lacey's good looking too. Jerry Lacey did uh, of in a course, Bogart his, kind his, of way. His job as Trask is in general is memorable. And uh, the scene where he first appears and snaps uh, Jameson out of the uh, possession because Angelique really did it for them. Right. But uh, he does the ceremony and it is nice to see him doing the by the judge of the quick and the dead stuff again. Yeah. Uh, you know, and have mercy, oh Lord, you know, and all that, and all yeah. that. He does that so great. And, you know, and, and so that was, that was fun. I just yeah. wondered at being taped live, how they did that without laughing sometimes. I've just never seen I'm anybody. Sure they crack- did. I'm, um, sure they, I'm sure they did laugh uh, and, and they probably, but, but probably not too often because they were so seriously engrossed in the part. I think the backstage people had nice. Uh, uh, probably. You know, we're, we're I just often wonder, cause you know, I mean, you, when you're acting, you see people just like, God, how do they keep a straight face? Like, with, I, you know, I, like, I only wish I had better mic equipment, better. I mean, I got the pretty good earphones, but you really need professional hear- earphones to pick up and I heard whispering backstage. It's probably mm-hmm. stage directions. 
as uh, oh, some of cool. these scenes. I'll have to are, try that. I didn't even think of that. Scenes are going crazy. There's one season with Joan Bennett, and she's waiting by the phone as Judith, and she's waiting for uh, by the phone or something to pick it up, and she just camera's staying. The camera's on her, and she's just. Waiting, I saw that waiting and waiting. And they waiting. did that with. Uh, they did that with Rod. Uh, la 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 la. They did that with um, whoever was standing at the top of the stairs. I think it was Edward. And, yep. you know, and go, but it took them a while to go, you know? Well, and they also, the famous one that was in the last block that I caught was Selby and Selby is, is as Quentin is starting, it has, is supposed to go up the stairs and, you know, and over the balcony, but in reality, Selby was supposed to start to go up the stairs and the camera would pan away from him. And then Selby was going to turn around because he had to get to the next set. And the camera didn't turn around fast enough. So Selby goes into the middle of the staircase. Then he stops and he looks around and he he looks around. He looks to the other side and then the camera pans away from him. So from that, I got the idea that, yeah, he really was going to the next uh, scene and the camera didn't pan away fast enough because he wasn't really supposed to. And then you realize that the rest of the scene, you never saw Selby going across that balcony into the room. Yeah. So, you know, so you knew that was what probably happened. Uh, but yeah, they did that. And in this block, I mean, that's a classic thing uh, with Joan Bennett waiting by the phone. And then I heard whispering and then I heard whispering and then, and then she picked it up. Uh, so they were probably, uh, they were probably talking about something and, uh, and, and they made her do that. So uh, we have anyway. to give credit to uh, Joan Bennett, though, for a character actor. actor. She did really good. I mean, going mm-hmm. back and forth. I mean, she's an outstanding actress. And I just, you know, I'm so glad they gave her. She's so much different. She's kind of shrewish as, as you know, in this one. Uh, she's shrewder. She's shrewder because she's shrewder, remember, but she's also kind of, I don't know, so Victorian or pre-Victorian. Or- Did you notice, by the way, that there was a scene with her and I thought it was really where she answered the door and it was the middle of the night and, and her hair was like propped up. She looked just like Liz. She looked just like Liz uh, Stoddard. And she was in her. She was in. Her, oh, yeah. With her hair was. Yeah, yeah, back. yeah. She looked just like Liz Stoddard. And I said to myself, oh, my God, there's Liz in 1897. You know, I I thought that was really because they didn't want to. I thought it was kind of unusual. It was a 60s do. It was a 60s do or it could have been almost a 40s do because that was the exact haircut she had in the first year when they did that flashback to 1949 where Paul Stoddard was killed. That's right. And that was the same do she had. Back then, that was the same do as in black and white. I forgot about Paul Stoddard. Same do. Oh, well, you're going to remember Paul Stoddard because that's another secret that we're not going to tell the fans about. But but yes, yes, Paul Stoddard, when he was killed or supposedly killed, uh, she had that same. So it was really funny to see Liz again in 1897, the way they, you know, the way they had that. Anyway, uh, so where are we now? The Where are we now? Uh, the favorite and least favorite character? Yeah, I think we pretty almost covered all that and because we got a little segue here and there. But I would have to say my favorite character is going to be, well, there's two characters. Well, there, mm-hmm. I, I have, I, I can't find fault with hardly any characters. Right. You know, um, I'll say my favorite and my favorite were you know, Diana Malay and and uh, Laura Parker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I just love 
that interaction. I'd also have to say that, um, well, to, although Trask is very annoying, he's very, he's very outspoken, <laughs> I guess is a good way to put it. But I, like I said, he's not, not by any measure, a least favorite character. I just wish they would have done something different a little bit with him in that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you? Well, what about the worst uh, character, Vicky? Do you have any? Uh, I don't really. Well, I, I think it would be Trask, but it's not because of anything. He, I, I just wanted him to look a little different, not be so Trasky from the 1795 era. Yeah, I, I agree. Kind of, but I mean, as far as acting and everybody just did an outstanding job in this I block, agree. I just can't really have any complaints. I couldn't agree more. I, I think uh, for me, the uh, most favorite probably was Laura. Uh, because she got a chance to come back again. And, it was uh, nice revisiting that because yes. it was it was because a lot of people don't watch the old Dark Shadows. And if you really the, the Phoenix storyline was a great storyline, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it just just needed. To, I mean, I'm glad that they did this. They kind of expanded that. And it's interesting that later on in the Dark Shadows conventions, Diana Malay took fans to Egypt. Well, not took fans, but she, Diana Malay actually organized trips to Egypt. No way. With, yes, she did with fans who wanted to come with her. And of course, the fans paid for themselves. But she organized little mini vacations to Egypt and Alexandria. Oh, cool. And they all visited the, the tombs and the pharaohs. And I remember stuff like that. And my favorite, my favorite story about Diana Malay, because I did sit next to her at uh, a Dark Shadows convention. Uh, we had the dinners cool. on Sunday night. Did you get any conversation in? Absolutely. And Diana Malay kept, I was, I was single at the time, and all Diana Malay was telling me was, find yourself a nice girl and get married. <laughs> That's all Diana Malay was telling me. Find yourself a nice girl. What's wrong with you? Why don't you want to get married already? What's the matter with you? And Diana Malay was acting like a Jewish mother. And, uh, and I was, and I was like, you know, smiling and laughing, but she was serious. She was saying, Oh, you're a nice guy. You should get, (laughs) and I always remembered that about it. She was a very maternal, she had a maternal aspect to her. And I think, and I suspect that's what made the Laura character so, uh, popular because she really did have a maternal side to her. And I caught that many years later by accident when I sat next to her at dinner. Uh, so I think, so I think that played well. And of course she just had her child. Uh, and he was a few, he was like a baby or something when she went back to dark shadows and, uh, maybe two years old or something like that. He had to be uh, a couple of years old, be a couple of years old. So she, you know, so, so the, the idea of the mother, uh, the, the idea of the mother and, and wanting the, ch- and loving the children so much, of course, she loved the children to an extent that she wanted to kill them. And, uh, so I don't know if you, I don't know, if, I don't know if that's healthy. I don't think it is, but still not very all, maternal to burn your kids. No, Laura is not maternal, but Diana Malay, I think was maternal. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Babies yeah. change everything. Ab- ab- absolutely. So let's see the worst uh, for me, you know, I, I, again, I agree with you. I can, I cannot think. I can't any... figure out anybody that I, I, that was, they were all exemplary in, in this. I mean, even Edward Marshall with his two lines was fine, you know, uh, or Dorcas, I give it... you know, I mean, all of them. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't, 
it was all great acting all through. I, I would give an honorable mention uh, to uh, Clarice Blackburn. She was only in a couple of scenes as uh, Minerva Trask when she walked in there with Mrs. Johnson's dew covered. I under know. The, under the, I'm just like, under God, the change the wig. But don't, <laughs> let's not forget um, Nancy Barrett did an exceptional job. Yeah, oh, thank you. She she sure deserves honorable mention. Nancy Barrett as Charity Trask, as usual, comes across. I feel as, a lot of empathy for Charity Trask. I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Her parents are assholes, and and, and she's being targeted she's by a vampire. And, she, and she's trapped. And 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 there the that's an interesting sub dynamic that you point out because here she's, you know, here she's brought up as the dutiful, uh, godly daughter that looks after the that's Bible taught and yeah. will do anything a father tells her. And Barnabas gives her a secret thrill. Barnabas yeah. is her secret thrill, you know, her the the forbidden fruit. So well, it is very sexual. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh huh, and he bit her, you know, and she tried fighting him, and he bit her every time he fought her. She fought him. He bit her every time she fought him. So he was keeping his fangs open for her. Yeah. And uh, and it's amazing she didn't turn into a vampire with all the times he bit her, because he was. Uh, oh, I don't think he's draining her for the last drop. Uh, no, no, he just did a little bit, and uh, you know, just keep her honest. He uh, does. Yeah, that's you know, that's what he does to every bites everybody to get his info. I mean, yeah, he's just keep her, cool through this. Just whole keep thing. her honest, you know. Even bit Dirk to keep him honest, you know. But but Dirk, he bites. Uh, you'll see what happens to Dirk in the next block. So I agree with you. I can't find anybody. I, I can't find anybody who was terrible. When Keith comes back on next month, he can talk about. It. He can <laughs> he can talk about it. Okay. Uh, go, go ahead, Dick. Okay, I guess that concludes our uh, retrospective of Dark Shadows from uh, episode 722 to 765. And uh, we will pick back up where we left off next month. And until then, uh, we'd like to say good night. Good night, Tom. Good night, Vicki. It was a pleasure working with you uh, for the first time, uh, the dynamic duo. Has uh, has succeeded, and uh, and and everybody, be sure to watch this block because yeah, it, you, it, you need to. It's great. Yeah, it really, it really does, and it continues the marvelous stuff that has been established since the beginning of eighteen ninety seven. It answers Certainly. a lot of questions too. Yes, yes, it raises more questions, and you're going to see that raises in the next and block. answers when we come back when dark the dark shadow segment. We'll come back next month on that. And Keith will tell you all about that. Yes, he will, or we're going to kill him. Uh, anyway, so it's good first. night again from me. And I hope you all stay safe and have a healthy and happy holiday season. And I guess good, we will catch and up. Good night, all. And good night, all. Merry Christmas. And I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. When I was smaller and people were taller, I realized that I was different. I had a power that set me apart I learned to take it, to use it, to make it It's not so bad to be different To do your own thing and do it with heart Different is hard, different is lonely Different is trouble
At first I'd wonder what hex I was under What did I do to be so different Then I discovered some others like me Wonder no longer, together we're stronger It's not so bad to be different 